Welcome to the First Assembly podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message and find encouragement through the Holy Spirit. Well, good morning. It's been a while. I have missed you. I can't hear you. Did you say you missed me? Um, we're so glad to be able to be with you today and uh, following the message, we will have a time of interaction. So we'd like you to stay around for that. Stay with us. Um, I think Pastor Ben is actually going to interview me. So we'll see how that goes down and we welcome you. We are finishing up the Hope series that we've been on. We've been having a number of talks and conversations around hope and hope is here. So today I want to take us to um, one of the wonderful stories that Jesus told. And this one's in Luke 15, chapter, chapter 15, verses 11 to 32. And it's the one about what's normally called the prodigal son. Um, so we're going to take a look at that today together. And I've entitled my few thoughts, Hope Realized. Hope Realized. So without reading through the story, I'll just quickly give you an overview of the story. The story is that there's a father with two sons, and one of them is not happy at home and wants to be out of the father's house, and he wants what the father has. He wants his inheritance. And so he gets it, and he leaves. And Jesus begins to tell the story um, in brief, in an overview of uh, where this son went and what he did and squandered his inheritance and in some ways squandered his life. And then the other son comes into the picture just as the runaway son comes home. And so we're going to take a look at that today. There's, there's as I said, two sons, and they're often the focus in the story. They represent pretty much the normal human family. And probably everyone listening that day could relate to this family story. The story is often labeled the prodigal son or the lost son. Actually, both sons in the story are somewhat lost. The one stay-at-home boy is in ways as much out of relationship with the father as the one who leaves home and squanders his inheritance and his life. As we reflect on this story today, I want to pose a question. Which son do you most relate to? If I may, I relate to the one who spends his inheritance in self-destructive ways, in arrogance and rebelliousness and, and in anger. I messed up royally, was self-destructive in my behavior, hurtful to myself and to others. As interesting as these two boys are in the story, the father is actually the main character. And maybe Jesus intentionally draws our attention to the behavior of the boys to highlight the father. When we talk about fathers, there's all kinds of things that come up in our memories. There's all kinds of experiences that we have had with fathers and Immediately we go to our earthly fathers and they give us sometimes glimpses of our heavenly father or sometimes uh, maybe a very poor representative of him. And all of us, without exception, 
in our family of origin, get a grid for life. We get a screen through which we look, or a window, if you will, that we look out on life and look out on our own lives. And we get an understanding of God that often is incorrect. And because all of us are dysfunctional at various levels in the human family, we all come out of our families with some incorrections of who God is. Because no one gets a perfect welcome into this world. No one is born into a perfectly safe family. No one gets their needs perfectly met and no one gets to perfectly learn how to trust from our human family. It is what the Bible calls sin, missing the mark or falling short of God's intended glory or purpose for us. This missing the mark does not remove the need for perfect love and acceptance. It actually seems to enlarge it. It makes it become the pursuit of our lives. I, I remember being down in the ditch in my early teens with my friends in a hiding kind of place, smoking two cigarettes at once and turning green with sickness. Not, I'm not there because I wanted to smoke, but because I wanted to be accepted. I wanted to belong. I needed someone to say that I mattered. I was selling out for self-acceptance and it was a false acceptance. It's sort of a required passage to be part of the group, conditional to my cooperation with others who also didn't probably feel that they belong. And really the only thing we had in common was our rebelliousness or our lostness. My father, if I may, was a good man in many ways, but he severely struggled with his identity, his sense of self, his sense of belonging, and was not a great image of the father he wanted to be or of the father I needed him to be. You know, identity is a huge part of who we are. We don't get it from our parents. God knits that into us in our mother's womb. He fashions that identity into us. Our parents get to bless it or not. But identity is such a wonderful thing that releases us to be who God created us to be. And we really only can truly find our identity in our Creator, in our Father. I struggled with the Father image, as you may understand from what I shared with you. I, I, when I first became a believer and a follower of Jesus, I, I could really relate to Jesus. He was rejected, he was abused, he was neglected, he was, he was called a devil. Um, I could totally relate to him and it was very easy for me to pray to Jesus. But when it came to praying to the Father, I just could not do that. Because the image I had of a father was an angry man, an austere, a critical, criticizing, even abusive man, and I struggle with the Father. And without really getting into it, I, I had an incredible encounter with the Father through a verse that I had read many times, but this one time it's like the Holy Spirit shone light upon it. And it's this statement that Jesus made where he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one goes to the Father except by me or through me. And it struck me 
Jesus didn't just come to forgive my sins and to die for me. Jesus came to bring me to the Father because everyone needs the Father. And everyone has, on some level, a Father deficit. Jesus came to bring us to the Father. I hope today that you will find your way to the Father and find out what he actually is like. To go back to the story that we're looking at today in Luke 15, it says that the son, the prodigal son, the runaway son, ended up spending all of his money, losing all of his friends, and ended up getting a menial job at a pig farm. And he was so destitute, he was in such a desperate place that as he fed the pigs, their food became attractive to him. And it says that he came to himself. I hope today that you, like I, will come to yourself. That's so prerequisite to coming to the Father. The parable, as Jesus told it that day, I'm sure all of the hearers could relate to the experience that the two boys were being described of in the parable. But when Jesus gets to the end of the story, it's really about the father. And the question arises, who has a father like this? So the son has decided he's gonna return home, offered to his father, let me into your, quote, household, and I will be a servant in your house. And he rehearses this speech as he's on his way home. He gets close enough that the father who has been looking for him, note that the father never ran after him when he went away, but the father was anticipating his return because he was looking for his son. And when it says, when he was a far, a far, a far way from the father, within his view that the father saw him and he did something no Jewish father would do. You can imagine it. He pulls up his robe and he begins to run towards the son. He runs to the son. He runs to him and when he gets to him, he embraces him. No Jewish father would do this, especially with a rebellious son on his way home. He runs to him, he embraces him, throws himself and his body weight around his son and kisses him on the neck and walks him home. When he gets him home, he robes him. He robes him, he says, find the best robe in the house and put it on my son. Now my guess is that the best robe in the house would have been his robe because he also takes his ring and he puts a ring on his returning son. Now the ring means a lot in this culture. The ring would have been like a signet ring, like Pharaoh giving Joseph his signet ring, so that he is literally his right hand, and he signs off on everything. And so he gives him this ring. It's a ring that is relational, but it's also authority. And the father welcomes him in, and then he gives him a new pair of Nike sandals. He pulls out some new sandals. And then he does the most incredible thing. There is a calf that's called the fattened calf. It's not explained why this calf exists, 
but it's a calf that's been fattened for a purpose. And he orders his servants to kill the calf to feed his son. And they create a feast and they party and they dance. And the Jewish music begins to waffle its way out of the father's house. And as the son, the second son, the oldest son is coming in from the field, he hears this music and he inquires what it's all about. And the anger that had been percolating in his life. You see, he's relationally removed from the father as well. He's in the father's house, but he's not embraced the father on a relational level. What does the father do? He says to this son as well, doesn't underline anything about his anger, doesn't underline any more than he did with the prodigal son. He doesn't underline anything about his behavior. He just says, son, all that is mine is yours. Come join us in the party. Your brother is home safe. He was lost, he's found, he was dead, he's alive. What father acts like this? Your heavenly father does. The Father Jesus came to return us to acts like this. The Father you were made for. The Father who loves you enough to give his own son for you. The Father your heart longs and was made for does this. Who doesn't want to be a son or daughter in relationship with a father like this? These boys were biologically sons, but the Father's love and acceptance offered relational sonship, brought them in to true sonship. The story does not tell us the response of the eldest son. We don't know if he joined in or not. And today, you need to think about your response. Maybe you're in the father's house, but you're emotionally disconnected. You're dutiful, you're obedient. You've lost the joy though of your relationship with the father and he's inviting you back into the party, back into his heart. The question in this story is not, does the father love his sons? The question is, will the sons come into the father's heart? Which one do you choose to be? Will you be the son or daughter that comes home? Will you choose the father's house and his home? Will you choose the father? You see, everything you need and hope for is realized with the Father and with his house. David said, the Lord, the Father, is my shepherd. I shall not want. He goes on to say, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's an old song that says, come and go with me to my Father's house. It's a big, big house, lots and lots of room. You know, the Father is anticipating your return. He's anticipating that you would realize the hope that he has for you. The son had lost all hope. The son in the house was not very hopeful either. But on this day, the returning son realizes his hopes and his dreams. Now you have the option of letting the negative narrative you reverse in your heart trump the offer 
from God to Father. It's a good, good Father that's welcoming you. I invite you to open your heart to him again. You may feel a right to the hurt and the pain, but why be right when you can be reconciled? He loves you. He will take the pain and give you joy. Come home. He will embrace you. He will robe you in his goodness. He will put a ring on you and make you his own. He will give you new shoes, a new step in your walk. He will throw an eternal party for you. That's the kind of father he is. That's how he thinks of you. That's how he will receive you. And right now, in your physical home, will you receive the father's embrace and be at home with him? David said, all your thoughts toward me are thoughts of peace. And if I were to try to count them, I couldn't find a beach with enough grains of sand that come up to the number of times you think of me. And all of those thoughts are peaceful. That's how the Father sees you. That's the home he welcomes you to. And Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. You see, he's expecting He's anticipating your return. And maybe you're listening today and you've been out of the Father's house so long that you can't remember what it's like. Today you're getting an invite. Will you come to the Father's house? I can assure you that he will run to you. He will embrace and kiss you and he will throw a party for you. Why not come home to a father of love. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to this message. We pray that you have received truth and have been encouraged. For more information about First Assembly, how to get connected, and to listen to our latest worship albums, please visit our website at www.fa.church. 